0: Welcome back to the channel. As many of you likely know, I'm the author of Income Tax Shadowing the Myths. What you may or may not know is that for many years, I assisted people who understand the truth of the income tax when working with other people in the business community to make it clear what the law really says, and so that they could live their life correctly following the law and not have to worry about the income tax. I did that for many, many years, and and I'm going to share something with you today that came up recently, which mirrors my experience in a great many cases back then. So stay with me. Pretty sure this is going to blow your mind. The Doctor Reality Vodcast with Dave Champion. I no longer have the time to work with people who understand the truth of the income tax, and I've put out some documentation, some handbooks, and some professional guides that can assist them in the kind of thing we're talking about, working with other companies to make them understand the truth. I'll put links to those down in the notes. But a very good friend of mine, decades-long, awesome friend, had something come up unexpectedly, so I pitched in and I gave him a hand with that. So I want to share with you the letter that he sent to a particular company and the response from the company, we're talking about law. So it might blow your mind when you see this gentleman present the law, the law, the law, the law. And then once you see the company say in response. First, I want you to know that all of the names have been changed. Uh, if you hear XYZ Company, then that it's not actually XYZ Company. I've changed the name of the company that my good friend is talking to to simply your company. It fits in the context of the letter. The construct of presenting law and then what the company's attorney says. Remember, attorneys are supposed to know the law, right? They're supposed to be practicing law. They're supposed to be telling their client or you a somewhat accurate recitation of the law rather than just making stuff up out of whole cloth, and not just making stuff up, but completely contradicting the written law. It's absolutely insane. So I'm going to begin with the letter that my friend sent over to them, and then we'll get into the response. Hi, Jane. Her name is not Jane. I hope you are doing well. I appreciate you sharing with me the Form W-9 that you have on file with John Smith's signature. Unfortunately, John does not have any knowledge of tax law. As you'll see below, a Form W-9 is only to be filled out and signed by a U.S. person, that's a very specific term in law, a U.S. person who is moving U.S. source income to its non-resident alien or foreign corporation owner. The payment made by your company to XYZ has nothing to do with U.S. source income belonging to a foreign person and hence is not subject to a Form W-9 or Form 1099. Because John doesn't have education or knowledge concerning tax law, he executed a Form W-9 contrary to what the Treasury Secretary's regulations permit the Secretary does not permit the use of a Form W-9 for citizens or corporations that are not involved with the flow of U.S. source income to its foreign owner. As the operational senior partner at XYZ Company, and one who is educated in the proper application of U.S. income tax laws, I had instructed, John, not to provide a Form W-9 to your company concerning XYZ, as to do so would be in conflict with that which the Secretary's regulations permit. With John's lack of education or knowledge on the subject matter, and his disregard for my specific instructions, he improperly and unlawfully provided you with a signed W-9. John's error, however, does not change the law. It does not change what the Secretary permits by regulation. In subtitle A of the tax code, that's what people typically refer to when they when they talk about income tax. Hey, you file your income tax returns, they don't know it, but it's actually subtitle A of Title 26, which is euphemistically called the tax code. Okay, so in subtitle A of the Tax Code, the sections pertaining to Form W nine are contained in the following. Now, excuse me, I'm gonna throw out a couple of citations. You can go look these up at your leisure if you want, and then we'll get to the meat of the issue. The sections of the code and the regulations that pertain to use of the Form W-9 are 26 U.S.C. 1441A, 26 U.S.C. 1473, subsection 4, 26 U.S.C. 1473, subsection A1, 26 CFR, that's the Code of Federal Regulations, so now we switch from statutes to regs, 1.144, 1-7, subsection A, 26 CFR 1.1441-1, subsection C-16, and 26 CFR 1.1471-1, subsection B-148. The above statutes and regulations are all found in Chapter 3, entitled, are you ready? Withholding of Tax on Non-Resident Aliens and Foreign Corporations, or in Chapter 4, entitled, taxes to enforce reporting on certain foreign accounts these statutes and regulations apply only to non-resident aliens and foreign corporations u.s source income owners as made clear in congress's statutes and the secretary's regulations there are no other alternate or different regulations governing information reporting. Information reporting would be such as filing a W-2 or filing a 1099, okay? Please note that a Form W-9 is a withholding certificate. I'm, I'm gonna guess if you own your own company and you've been asked to fill out W-9, you, you were never aware it's a withholding certificate. All right, so, so this is gonna be a little complex in the language, just bear with me, it's a paragraph. But I'll highlight, I'll emphasize the critical part. Okay, so this is 26 CFR 1.1441-1, subsection C16, and it says the term withholding age. I'm sorry, the term withholding certificate means a form W8 described in paragraph E2 lowercase i, of this section relating to foreign beneficial owners, paragraphs E3i or E5i of this section relating to foreign foreign intermediaries or qualified intermediaries, section 1441-5, subsection C24C33, and I'm sorry, it's hard for me to translate sometimes how these regulations of citations are written into something that makes sense verbally, so I apologize, and E5.3, relating to flow-through entities. A Form 8233 described in 1.1441-4 subsection B2. A Form W9, remember this is a list, this is the Secretary of the Treasury saying which documents, which forms are considered by the Secretary in law to be withholding certificates. And we get through all that nonsense, all that gibberish I just shared with you. And then a Form W-9 as described in paragraph D of this section, blah, 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 on it goes. Okay. Then the second regulation, 26 CFR 1.1471-1B148, 1. the term withholding certificate means a Form W-8, Form W-9, or any other certificate that under the Code of Regulations certified or establishes the Chapter 4 status of a payee or beneficial owner. And what was the title of Chapter 4? Right. Taxes to enforce reporting on certain foreign accounts. Continuing with the text of the letter, a withholding certificate can only be submitted to a withholding agent. Here are the definitions of withholding agent. This is a statute, 26 U.S.C. 1441, subsection A, which says, except as otherwise provided in subsection C, all persons in whatever capacity acting. I'm going to skip a lot of this that's in parentheses and stuff because it's just going to make this video very long. So let me start again and I'm going to skip right past that. Except as otherwise provided in subsection C, all persons in whatever capacity acting, having the control, receipt, custody, disposal, or payment of any items of income specified in subsection B of any non resident alien individual or foreign partnership, and it rolls on from there. So a withholding agent is somebody who has care, custody, control, etc., of U.S. source income belonging to a foreign person. Pretty clear, right? I mean, the statute, it's not hard to understand. And you can go look it up for yourself. You don't have to take my word for it. All right. So the next definition, the first one was from the statutes. This is from the regs. Withholding agent is also defined to 26 CFR 1.1441-7, subsection A, which says, for purposes of chapter three of the Internal Revenue Code and the regulations under such chapter, the term withholding agent means any person, U.S. or foreign, that has control, receipt, custody, disposal, or payment of an item of income of a foreign person. Clear? Continuing with the letter. Because is paid by your company to XYZ was not US source income belonging to a foreign person, your company could not possibly be fulfilling the role of a withholding agent. Unless your company was fulfilling the role of a withholding agent, there is no provision of law that permits XYZ to have furnished your company with a withholding certificate. This is what John did not understand when he improperly, and outside the law, provided a Form W-9 to your company. Absent a Form W-9 submitted in compliance with the regulations of the Secretary of the Treasury, a 1099, 1099 may not be lawfully issued. This is what I am writing to correct. I am aware that your company did not know the Form W-9 submitted by John was outside what the law permits. The purposes of this letter is to make your company aware of John's unlawful submission, which led to your company issuing a 1099 in error. I am seeking that error to be corrected now that your company understands the facts and the law. Fortunately, the error is easy to correct. Here are the IRS provided instructions to rectify that error, and then he closes with those instructions. All right, I think it's pretty clear, right? And there's a good deal of law quoted there. It it. it It could have been filled with so much more law because there was so much more to be said on the subject. I mean, the statutes and the regs are crystal clear. But whenever you're communicating with somebody else who, for instance, hasn't read Income Tax Shattering the Myths, you have to be a little judicious in how much information you provide them. For instance, one of the issues that we could have raised was the definition of payor, um, which in in English, right, we would say payer, P-A-Y-E-R. Congress had to make up its own word, uh, payor, P-A-Y-O-R. Had they used payer, E-R, any statute that involved that word in plain English uh, would have been instantly unconstitutional. I mean, it would have gotten the first, the first court would have laughed the government out of the courtroom. So they had to create a separate word, payor, and give it a a completely distinct definition. But of course, people see it, they, they think payor, well, that's a payer. Yeah. This is how the scam is played. All right. So with all that said, I'm not going to share with you the response of the attorney. It's only two paragraphs. And anything that matters is actually addressed in the response from my good friend back to uh, the company again. So here we go. This is, this is the part. I mean, the first part was just just law. I mean, it's, it's not exciting. It's not dramatic. It's just the law. This, referring to what the attorney said, is something entirely different. Hi, Jane, I received your email containing your company attorney's response. Thanks for sharing it with me. Were it not for the shocking lack of professionalism, his remarks would be amusing. Allow me to share what I see. I'm confident you will see the same thing. First, in my earlier email to you, the one we just read, I provided you the actual law. I cut and pasted the relevant sections of law into the emails so you could read them for yourself. In contrast, your company's attorney provided you no law, zero. He simply told you, quote, a story. That's literally in quotes. He wants you to believe. He offers you no law because there is no law supporting the story he's telling you. Respectfully. He provided you with zero law because he believes you are foolish enough to simply believe his story rather than telling him you need to see the law. After all, this is a matter of law, not storytelling, right? Second, he made numerous statements you can verify for yourself are completely false. To wit, the attorney states, quote, a W-9 is not a withholding certificate, close quote. The highest authority in the United States concerning tax law is the Secretary of the Treasury. The Secretary informs the public what tax law requires and how it is to be understood by publishing regulations. The federal courts have held that in questions of tax law, regulations control. In my earlier email, I shared with you regulations promulgated by the Secretary which state the Form W-9 is a withholding certificate. I will share those regulations with you again now. Now, I'm not going to take your time to read the same things we just read a moment ago, but it, it, it just I'll give you the sites again, 26 CFR 1.1441-1 subsection C16 and 26 CFR 1.147 subsection B148. These are the things you heard in the initial letter. And then he goes on to clarify. If we remove all the verbiage from 26 CFR 1.1441-1 subsection C16 that is extraneous, such as Form W-8 and Form 8233, the reg reads as follows. The term withholding certificate means a Form W-9. That would be a quote. All I do is take out all the extraneous language between the first clause and the words a Form W-9. 26 CFR 1.1471-1, subsection B148, is crystal clear. So, the highest government authority in the nation regarding tax law says a Form W-9 is a withholding certificate. But your company's attorney says it isn't. You just read the Secretary's regulations with your own eyes. It cannot be both a withholding certificate and not a withholding certificate. In this matter, someone is right. And someone is wrong. Your choice is between accepting the regulations of the Secretary of the Treasury and Treasury's fleet of professional tax lawyers or accepting your attorney's story unsupported by any law. Further, the attorney states that, quote, if one, W-9, is not provided, payments are subject to withholding. That issue was covered in my earlier email. In my email, I shared with you the congressional statute as well as the regulation of the secretary on this exact subject. Here they are again, statute first, followed by the regulation. 26 USC 1441-1, except as otherwise provided in subsection 3, all persons in whatever capacity having the control, receipt, custody, disposal, or payment of any items of gross income in subsection B, to the extent that any such items constitute gross income from sources within the United States of any non-resident alien individual or of foreign partnership. And then the regulation, again, 26 CFR 1.1441-7A. For purposes of Chapter 3, the Internal Revenue Code and Regulations under such chapter, the term withholding agent means any person, U.S. or foreign, that has control, receipt, custody, disposal, or payment of an item of income of a foreign person. Okay? So this has been repeated from the first letter. Continuing. As you can see, your company's attorney is saying the opposite of what the statutes and the regulations make clear. The attorney then stated that a Form 1099, quote, has nothing to do with moving income to foreign corporations. Now, to be clear, that wasn't exactly what the statutes and the regs said. It said to a non-resident alien or foreign corporation, but the attorney, he's an idiot. So while he provided no law whatsoever in telling you that story, because there is no law supporting it, a Form 1099 can only be lawfully issued based on a valid Form 1099 submitted in accordance with the regulations of the Secretary. And as you just saw, a Form W-9 is a withholding certificate that is to be provided to a withholding agent when the payment is from a U.S. source and it is owned by a foreign person. This isn't rocket science, yes, literally says that. The Secretary has been quite clear, as you saw with your own eyes. Your company's attorney is saying things that are in direct conflict with the regulations of the secretary, which you've just read with your own eyes. He is also not providing any law to support the story he's telling you. Perhaps it's time your company acknowledges its attorney has no knowledge in this area. I'm going to mail you the highly informative Business Handbook for Forms W-9-1099 in U.S. Person. I will put the links to that handbook, the handbook on withholding, and income tax shadowy the down in the notes. But continuing. It's a quick read, being just 15 pages. The main reason I'm sending it to you is found on page 12, which provides five key questions a company can ask its attorney or accountant to determine if that paid resource has any knowledge or expertise in the subject matter. Why would a company want to pay for advice from someone who lacks knowledge or expertise in the subject matter? the factual legal response to each of the five questions are clearly laid out in the preceding pages. On a strictly emotional level, company employees want to believe their paid resources have the required knowledge or expertise, even when they don't. The five questions in the handbook allow the basis of that assessment to change from emotion to intellect. Since bad legal advice can lead to legal problems, isn't it best to know not guess that your paid resource has knowledge in the subject matter or does not. The five questions allow you to make a factual determination. Now that you have seen with your own eyes that the attorney's statements are in direct conflict with the law, you can understand why I open this letter by referring to his quote, shocking lack of professionalism, close quote. You can expect the handbook in the mail within the next few days. End of letter. I imagine people who haven't read Income Tax Shattering the Myths, they're probably scratching their head because a lot of this cuts across the grain of the false societal narrative that they've heard their entire life because they've never actually read what the law says. And a number of people may be saying to themselves, okay, so Dave and this gentleman, uh, they structured this document, this letter, and they cherry-picked. The laws they wanted to present. And there must be other laws somewhere else that claim that it's, it, that the purpose of a W-9 and the purpose of a 1099 are what the general public imagines having never read the law. There's got to be that other stuff. Okay, so first of all, I want to go back and read a key sentence from the first letter that was sent over. That sentence is, there are no other Alternative or different regulations governing information reporting. There are no other alternative or different regulations. I've been at this since 1993, and I cannot tell you how many times somebody has said to me, Well, there's got to be others. As a matter of fact, when I first discovered the truth of the income tax, um, I owned a business and I had uh, an accountant on retainer. And when I sat down with him and I went through This and and much, much more with him. I I took him like an hour of his time. And I said, okay, so Ira, now that you've seen all of this, and of course, I had it all printed out and so forth. I said, now that you've seen all of this, what do you have to say? I mean, this guy has been preparing my tax returns up to 1993, right? So my sort of thought is, why were you doing that if I'm not the guy? Okay. I mean, it's great that I guess I paid you money and that's cool for you, but if I'm not the guy, basically you just stole it from me, okay? I, I, and I didn't approach it in that way. I was really looking for him to say I something like "Dave, if you want to tell me that you're not the guy and I'm out," okay? Something honest like that. Or I disagree. Okay, because I was new to the material, right? So his response to me was there are other statutes and other regulations. Okay, so I want you to be clear. What was specified in this letter, that there is no other alternative statutes or regulations concerning Form W-9 and 1099, that's not a new theme. This goes back to what Iris said to me in 1993. There's other statutes and other regulations, to which I replied, okay, Great. If I'm off base, this from 1993, right? Now, I, I wouldn't even bother. But back then, I was like, if I'm off base, I should know because I, I don't want to go down some nutball road where I, I have part of the facts, but I don't have the real facts or I don't have all the facts, right? I didn't want to go there. So, I'm saying, great. If there are other statutes and other regulations that would show that what I just presented to you is somehow not the law that's applicable to me or not valid in my circumstance, what, what have you, I should see those, right? So I said to Ira, great, I'm glad those exist. Where are they? To which she said, well, I can't put my finger on them right now. Hmm. I think at the time that we were having this conversation, he'd been an accountant for 32 years and couldn't lay his hands on the statutes or the regulations that would show that what I had presented was false. Okay. But hey, yeah, look them up. If you don't know him right now, look him up. So I said, Ira, I pay you monthly for your service. How long will it take you to locate those statutes or those regulations that would prove that what I showed you is not valid in my circumstances or I'm, I, I am the guy I'm rather than my thinking I'm not the guy? He said a couple of weeks. Fair enough, right? I mean, he's a busy man. Okay. A couple of weeks later, I called him. Left a message. No call back. A week later, I called him. Left a message with the secretary. No call back. I finally went to his office, and he refused to see me. He was supposedly in a meeting, right? Okay. I've never spoken to Ira since that day because I'm sure he's passed away by now. He was He was a bit old at the time. There was no more communication between Ira and I after that day. He wouldn't have it. He wouldn't talk to me on the phone. He wouldn't respond to my emails. He was always in a meeting if I stopped by his office. And uh, I sent him a letter at one point where I'm like, okay, so we're not talking. We're not communicating. This is a problem. And obviously, I stopped paying him. And I I wrote him a letter. I said, I'll be happy to start your monthly retainer again as soon as we start communicating again. I said, you told me you would locate the statutes and the regulations. It's been several weeks now. We're, we're now into a couple months. Uh, not only do I not have the statutes and the regs from you, but you're not communicating with me at all. I never got a response to that either. Why? Because he knew the jig was up. He had been an accountant. for th- He was a CPA for 32 years. And he did know that what I brought to him was the absolute truth. I think one of the last things he said to me was, Uh, I'm going to fix your wagon. I'm sending you upstairs to see a tax attorney. His name was John Barlow. And I was like, great. Uh, if you don't have the information, send me to somebody. I don't care. You know, let's get this sorted out. So I went upstairs. Uh, Mr. Barlow was very gracious. He, he was not busy at the time. He had me into his office. He had a great office, very, very handsomely de- uh, decorated office, this huge presidential looking desk. And he was, again, very gracious. I had to have a seat, Mr. Champion. We sat down and I presented essentially the same things I had to Ira a couple floors down. And I said, so is an ordinary American living and working in one of the 50 states, has Congress by its statutes or the regulations promulgated by the secretary, made that person liable for income tax when he or she is doing nothing more than earning his or her own domestic source income. And he sat there for a long time. I'm gonna guess it was probably a full minute, which between two complete strangers in a silent room (laughs) that just met one another, And then he said to me, I only work with people who are liable for the income tax. And in that moment, I knew that I was right. Uh, Not that I was right, that that the information I uncovered was factual. That's a better way to put that. I knew that because if I was wrong... And he spent all that time conscientious exactly what his answer should be. So like Ira downstairs, he must have known what the truth was. So he had to figure out how much he wanted to say, how little he wanted to say, and and eventually... He came out with that singular sentence. I only work with people who are liable for the income tax. Again, in that moment, I knew that the information was accurate, that the average American is not, Congress has never made the average American liable for the income tax. I stood up. I think the first time we shook hands and I went on my way. And here we are now as I'm making this video in 2022. There is, I suppose, two takeaways I'd like you to leave with from this video. Number one the experience that i just shared with you of that attorney working for that company that is fairly common it's fairly common because although the average person assumes attorneys know the law it has been my experience over the last 30 something years that there are a few people who know less about the actual law than attorneys they're great at procedure if they go to court and filing documents But what the law actually says, especially tax law, they don't know. So the first point is that if you imagine attorneys know what they're talking about, even tax attorneys, when it comes to tax law, you would not be correct. And that's one of the interesting and cool things about reading Income Tax Shattering the Miss. And I, I've been telling people this since the day it came out about 12 years ago. I say, look, you read Income Tax Shattering the Miss, you will be the expert in the room. It doesn't matter whether you're, there's a bookkeeper in the room, an accountant in the room, a certified public accountant in the room, a tax attorney in the room, or an attorney working for the U.S. Department of Justice Tax Division. It doesn't matter who's in the room. If you read Income Tax Shattering the Miss, you will be the expert in the room. And you just got a very brief glimpse of that from that letter. The second point I'd like you to take away is I think sometimes people find it very hard to accept that the societal narrative that if you go to work, you earn some money and you get a check, you get paid for your time or effort, that you owe some to the federal government. I think it's really, really tough for people to acknowledge that that is completely false. Not a little bit not by some degree, it is utterly and completely false. Because I, I think people think, well, from the time I was old enough to like, hear these words, income tax, and have some sense of what they meant, what would that be? Maybe 8, 9, 10, 12? From that time forward, I've heard one narrative in society and one narrative only. Let's say somebody's you know 60 and they, they understood what they were hearing about income tax at the age of 10. That means for half a century, they've been brainwashed. I mean, that's the bottom line. They've been brainwashed with a false societal narrative, and I totally get that. That's really, really hard to let go of. It's it's hard to even imagine it's wrong. That that's where people get. It. It's hard to even imagine it's wrong. So what do you do when, like, people who are more um, the dynamic in their thinking and have purchased income tax shattering the miss and have read it, they been like, ha, holy crap that narrative I've heard my whole life was indeed complete and utter BS. And now I've seen the law, the treasurers, treasuries, regulations, uh, statutes, uh, internal IRS documents that the IRS never thought anybody outside the agency would ever see. And I got my hands on them and so forth and on and on we go. And, and the, the whole story from 1913 until right now, as we're sitting here talking to, to each other, have been 100% consistent. The law, the Supreme Court cases, the regular everything has been completely consistent that Congress never imposed the income tax on the average American, lives in one of the 50 states, gets up, goes to work, earns a living, gets some money. That person has never had the income tax imposed upon them. So people who are more dynamic in their thinking and just don't succumb to a false societal narrative and say the false societal narrative must be true, those people have learned something phenomenal. And many of them have walked away from the scam. Now, I'm not telling you, even if you were to purchase and read income tax, I'm not telling you to walk away from the scam. That's a personal decision. I haven't filed a income tax, state or federal, uh, return since 1993, and I haven't paid a penny of income tax since 1993. Why? Because I'm an American. And in my opinion, An American does not allow the government to steal from them based on a lie, based on a false societal narrative. Can you imagine somebody like George Washington or Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, and on and on I could go with uh, the original generation that was striking out for freedom. Can you imagine any of them acquiescing to having money taken from them by fraud and and I suppose legally it's not really fraud because all the information's out there. If it wasn't all out there, it wouldn't be contained in Income Tax Shattering the Miss. But the f- narrative that's going around in society is absolutely fraudulent. So I want to encourage you to run over to drreality.news, grab yourself a copy of Income Tax Shattering the Miss. While you're there, get a copy of Body Science. Does the same thing to the false societal narrative concerning human physiology, especially with an emphasis on nutritional physiology, and explains why, despite all of our technology, all of our medical advances, America is at this time the most chronically ill society in the entire history of mankind by far, and it's because of the lies you've been told, just like we've been talking about the income tax. And it breaks down the lies, and then it tells you exactly how human physiology really works. So your odds of ever getting a chronic disease, uh, other than the fact if it's something like genetic, like type 1 diabetes. Other than that, you read body science, you follow what it says, your odds of getting any chronic disease are about as statistically close to zero as humanly possible. And you can live a happy, healthy life and for many, 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 many more years than otherwise would be the case. Speaking just for myself, I happen to love life, and I don't intend to go one minute sooner than I have to, and um, I, I think the way I was going before I started studying physiology, I think I probably would have been like most people. I would have died somewhere in my 70s. Uh, I think there's an absolutely excellent chance knowing what I know I can go to 100, maybe even 110, uh, maybe even further and be healthy because it's not about living a long life. It's about living a long life and still being robust and healthy. So body science can do that for you. Also, when you go to drreality.news and you pick up a copy of Income Tax, Shadow, Mist, Body Science, or both, what you do is you assist me to continue to be here for you sharing these sort of fact based presentations. Thank you.